Welcome to Born to be Breastfed with your host, Marie Biancuso. Our program aims to help you bust through the breastfeeding myths and ensure you and your baby enjoy the breastfeeding journey. Over the next hour, we'll help you figure out how to overcome the obstacles you might encounter and how to incorporate breastfeeding into your busy life. Now, here is your host, Marie Biancuso. Hi, everyone. I'm Marie Biancuso. I'm your host for Born to be Breastfed. Thank you for joining me today. I am on a super high today. I just finished a couple of days ago completing a consult for a hospital that is trying to achieve their Baby Friendly Award. And tomorrow I'm starting uh, like a whole other thing, which is I'm teaching my comprehensive course here in Chicago. I am bringing this radio show to you actually from just outside of Chicago. I'm staying at, as usual, one of the Hilton properties where I've, uh, I think I've pretty much always stay at them. Uh, But today is a great day in my life because I'm really excited to tell you what I've discovered, well, not really discovered, but uh, what I've concluded in the last couple of days that really makes me excited to share some information with you about your baby and your pregnancy and your plans for how you're going to change that little person's life. Um, Let me back up for a couple of days here. A few days ago, I just finished doing a mock assessment for a hospital, and that hospital is trying to achieve their baby-friendly award. Now, what does that mean? Well, it means that I did not perform their real assessment. I just did sort of a pretend assessment to help them to spot their strengths, their weaknesses, as well as to identify some opportunities and threats and really help them to streamline their efforts and resources for meeting the baby-friendly criteria. The other day really brought to my mind what I've known for many, many years, but this conclusion is so important that I felt that I needed to really talk about it on today's show. It it always seems to me that it's really two things when we talk about baby-friendly and why baby-friendly has been enormously possible and exciting and doable. There are thousands of baby-friendly hospitals throughout the, the world, but there are only a little more than 150 here in the United States. So why is it that we've had such a tough time really getting baby-friendly hospitals to be baby-friendly hospitals here in the U.S. And the answer is simple. There is resistance. There is resistance on one of two fronts, either from the staff people at the hospital or from the parents themselves. So let me give just a word of advice here about resistance. Most of us as humans resist things because we don't fully understand them and because we're kind of stuck in our own rut. And by the way, let me put myself on that list as well. I find it a little uneasy to do something if I don't understand what it is or I don't think I can do it or I've never done it that way before. And so, yeah, I've had to get out of my comfort zone. I got to tell you, being a radio show host sure put me out of my comfort zone. Okay, I'm a nurse. But, but sometimes 
we really need to look and see at what is going on with that resistance because most people, yeah, there's a few, but most people don't resist just for the sake of resisting. They resist because they don't understand it. And so I'm here today to help you to understand why it's important for you to, if you possibly can, deliver your baby at a baby-friendly hospital. Now, I recognize there might not be one in your area. And to help you understand how important that is, that if you really can locate a baby-friendly hospital in your neighborhood, to take advantage of all that it offers rather than to resist some of the things that you might not have encountered, even if you had a baby a few years ago. Now, let's just back up for a minute. How many times have you heard people say, well, for those women who can't breastfeed, by the way, I usually hear that on the television, or, well, I tried to breastfeed my kids, but it just didn't work, or, Oh, I really wanted to breastfeed, but I didn't have enough milk or similar comments. Lots of times I bet you've heard those comments. And many times you've heard those comments not just in the last year or two, but probably throughout your life. Maybe you've heard those comments from family members, your mother, your sister, your aunt, or maybe from your friends or colleagues or the media. Worse yet, Maybe you've heard those comments from your doctor. And if your doctor is a woman, and if she tried to breastfeed but didn't have enough milk, or maybe she had sore nipples, or she had some other issue, then you're thinking that maybe since she couldn't do it or wasn't successful in her goal, then maybe you won't be either. But I would encourage you to look at how things really work. And to try to believe me, because I always tell you, I'm here to bust the myths. Here's the thing. All of those things are just myths because all women can breastfeed. If women couldn't breastfeed or didn't have enough milk to breastfeed or had such sore nipples that they wanted to stop breastfeeding, well, the species would not have survived. If you've listened to my shows, you've probably heard me say before, do you seriously think that cave woman drove down to the Walmart to get formula when she didn't have enough milk to feed her baby? No, I don't think so. Did she then allow all of her babies to starve to death? No, that would be impossible. If all of cave woman's babies had starved to death, then you and I wouldn't be here. Why then is it? that such a small percentage of women exclusively breastfeed their babies here in the United States. And by exclusively breastfeed, I mean that they give no food or drink other than their milk to their babies until the babies are old enough to have soft or semi-soft or semi-solid foods. Why? Why is it that we have such a small percentage of women who are exclusively breastfeeding? Which, of course, is one of the goals of the Baby Friendly Hospital Initiative. Well, I suppose that there could be any number of answers to that question, but all of those answers would boil down to one main reason. Women are often working against their bodies rather than working with their bodies. And until the last few years, most hospitals in most parts of America have put up barriers to women working with their bodies to breastfeed. 
Yes, that's right. I said hospitals. Those hospitals that you've gone to, those hospitals I've worked in, those hospitals that have made it more difficult for women to work with their bodies have medicalized breastfeeding. And breastfeeding is not simply a medical procedure. Breastfeeding is a normal physiologic event. All mammals, and certainly that includes all humans, all human mammals, have this ongoing cycle of conception, gestation, partuition, and lactation. What you might call conception, pregnancy, labor and delivery, and breastfeeding. But it's the same thing, okay? Lactation is the normal completion of one childbearing cycle, and when lactation is discontinued, the woman becomes fertile for the next conception. It's really as simple as that. So if breastfeeding then is this, this, this normal part of the breastfeeding cycle, the key is for women, humans, homo sapiens, to work with rather than against the natural factors that foster rather than inhibit the breastfeeding and lactation experience. And to do that, the woman who delivers her baby in the hospital needs to be in an environment that is favorable for breastfeeding. The hospital staff and the hospital environment really need to help her to work with rather than against her body. For this reason, then, it's important for mothers to find a hospital that is actively and publicly committed to those hospital, those practices, rather, that will help her to work with her body. So how does she find such a hospital? Well, perhaps the best way is to find a hospital that either has been or is seeking to become a baby-friendly hospital. So let me explain what I mean by the term baby-friendly, what that really means. Well, let me tell you what it isn't. On a fairly routine basis, I hear hospital representatives or hospital staff nurses come to my course and they say, oh, their hospital is baby-friendly. But then I hear them talking about their hospital practices and it becomes entirely apparent to me that they're, yeah, they're doing a few nice things for mothers and babies and they got some nice wallpaper and all of that. But that doesn't make them baby-friendly. To truly be a baby-friendly hospital, the hospital must have gone a fairly rigorous preparation period and a rigorous assessment by a team from the country's baby-friendly office. Now, in our in the United States, it would be baby-friendly USA. Okay. Now, having been the president of baby-friendly USA for about a decade, and and by the way, I'm no longer in that capacity. And also, as a former assessor for the Baby Friendly USA, I feel very qualified to talk about what this Baby Friendly Hospital is, what it is, and what it isn't. So, let me start by saying that that term, Baby Friendly, is a trademarked term. And the hospital cannot call itself Baby Friendly unless it has truly earned that designation. So, as a parent, you can determine if your local hospital has been designated as a baby-friendly hospital or not. Here's one of the ways that you can do that. You can go to the hospital, take a stroll through the hospital's maternity unit, and see if they have the 10 steps to successful breastfeeding posted somewhere. If so, the hospital is at least trying to earn the baby-friendly hospital designation. 
if you see that poster, that's a good sign. But it can take several years for a hospital to earn the baby-friendly designation. So, one of the things then that you want to do is you want to look and see if they have a certificate posted that they have indeed achieved that award. And again, let me warn you that just simply asking a staff person or even a manager isn't necessarily a reliable way to determine if the hospital is indeed a baby-friendly hospital or even if they're trying to meet the baby-friendly criteria. So you should go, you should look and make sure that that certificate is really present. You certainly could also look on the Baby-Friendly USA website, but I would encourage you to go actually to the hospital. I think it's really, really important for you to show up and get the feel of what it's really like there. The Baby Friendly Hospital program is built on the 10 Steps to Successful Breastfeeding, which came out of the efforts from the World Health Organization. And I could give you the whole history of that, but it's probably more than you, what you want to know. What I want to encourage you to understand is that if you're serious about wanting to successfully breastfeed, I would urge you to choose a hospital that embraces those 10 steps because they work. It is evidence-based practice, and we hear so much about that today. That is the ultimate in the evidence-based practice. Don't go away. Come right back. After the break, I'm going to talk to you about what it really means. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. Cancer is not something to be taken lightly, but instead of being talked at by doctors, medical providers, and others, wouldn't it be nice to hear from a host who has worked at the cancer coalface for 38 years as a caregiver, supporter for 14,000 patients, and who has had the experience of having a life-threatening condition herself? You will hear the stories of survivors and other people who work in breakthrough cancer medicine, navigating the cancer maze with host Grace Goller. We'll help you with the facts, planning, and grief experienced with different forms and stages of cancer. Listen every Friday at 12 noon U.S. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Breastfeeding Outlook, owned and operated by Marie Biancuso, is America's premier provider of breastfeeding education. If you're a nurse, lactation consultant, dietitian, midwife, physician, doula, or other professional, Breastfeeding Outlook is your source for SERPs, nursing contact hours, and CEUs to meet your certification or licensure requirements in all 50 states. Join Marie at a seminar in one of many U.S. cities or learn online. Marie has helped thousands to pass the IBLCE exam on the first try, and she can help you too. Call to find out how to get an easy payment plan for Marie's IBLCE exam prep course. And if your hospital is seeking the baby-friendly hospital designation, we can help you with that too through expert training and value-based consultation. We have a variety of packages to meet your needs without breaking your budget. Sign up for a live or online course or inquire about training today. Please visit breastfeedingoutlook.com or call us at 703-787-9894. Evidence for your practice starts here. Visit breastfeedingoutlook.com or call us at 703-787-9894. Do you enjoy listening to Marie Biancuso? 
Do you think your staff would enjoy listening to Marie? As the past president of Baby Friendly USA, Marie currently offers baby-friendly training programs, online only, live only, or a combination of live and online education. If you are tired of listening to a boring lecture in a dark room, watching bullet point slides with a brief chance for questions at the end, come and enjoy a truly interactive learning online or live program with Marie. Call Marie today at 703-787-9894 to find an option that works for your staff. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. You're listening to Born to be Breastfed. To reach Marie Biancuso or her guest on today's program, please call 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to radio at borntobebreastfed.com. Now, back to the show. Hi, everyone. I'm Marie Biancuso. I'm your host for Born to be Breastfed. And today we're talking about baby-friendly hospitals, why you should want to be delivering your baby at a baby-friendly hospital, and how this program is an evidence-based program that can really help you to get breastfeeding off to a good start. So I just finished out the last segment talking about how important it is that you work with your body rather than against your body and how these hospital practices that are part of the Baby Friendly Initiative can indeed help you to do that. The hospital staff and the hospital environment are in a baby-friendly hospital there to help you work with rather than against your body. And so I would say if you're a nurse or an other professional that is listening to this show, I would urge you to help everyone at your hospital to recognize that a commitment to evidence-based practice must include a move towards embracing and implementing these 10 steps to baby-friendly, or I should say the, the 10 steps to successful breastfeeding, which are sort of the executive summary, if you will, for the Baby Friendly Hospital Initiative. The Baby Friendly Hospital Initiative promotes, protects, and supports breastfeeding through the 10 steps to successful breastfeeding for hospitals, as outlined by UNICEF and the World Health Organization. Now, what I'm going to do next is give you just a thumbnail sketch for each of these 10 steps from the perspective of the United States. And so I'll go through them 1 through 10. Here's step 1 have a breastfeeding policy that is routinely communicated to all healthcare staff. Well, why is it important for the hospital to have a breastfeeding policy? Okay, let's face it. We need policies so that both the providers and the consumers of healthcare know what is to be expected. We have policies in non-healthcare situations, don't we? For example, when I show up at a restaurant, which I'm going to do after I finish this show, I know the restaurant's policy is to accept X, Y, and Z credit cards. Or when I show up at the airport, which I did a day or two ago, I know that the airport has a policy to screen all passengers for metal or other potentially hazardous items before being allowed to board the plane. So when I show up at a hotel that has a no-smoking policy, I know that I can't smoke in the building and neither can anyone else. 
Policies help everyone to know what's going on and to not be blindsided by how things really work. No surprises. Policies are good. Clarity is good. A breastfeeding policy is good because it helps everyone to know what's trying to be achieved. In this case, both the providers and the consumers. But there's something really different. Different from the examples I gave you about the restaurant or the hotel or the airport, okay? The policy sets the rules for the hospital's environment, but not for the mother's behavior. What do I mean by that? Well, let's go back to the restaurant thing for a minute. If the restaurant doesn't accept credit cards, I'm forced to either eat elsewhere or pay with cash. I have to change my behavior. If I don't want to go through airport security, I'm not going to hop on the plane that day. I have to change my behavior. A baby-friendly hospital is different in the sense that if you're at the baby-friendly hospital, the staff doesn't escort you out the door if you don't breastfeed your baby or if you don't room in with your baby or any of the other things that I'm going to mention in these 10 steps. You certainly can refuse to do the, the behavior. But you should be aware that a, the breastfeeding policy at a baby-friendly hospital is designed to help the hospital create an environment that is optimal an environment where you can succeed in your efforts to breastfeed. The breastfeeding policy at a baby-friendly hospital is designed for you to work with your body rather than working against it. So the baby-friendly, the, the breastfeeding policy at a baby-friendly hospital is designed to give every advantage to you and your newborn. You certainly can avoid the baby-friendly practices. You can do your own behavior. But the person who loses is somewhat you. But the person who really loses is your baby. So, yeah, it's your choice. But understand what it means. Here's step two. Step two says, train all healthcare staff in the skills necessary to implement this policy. Well, why is it important to train all staff? That would be because few, if any of us, can do our jobs correctly unless we have had the training to carry out all of our responsibilities. Notice that this step says to train all staff. That means all staff. Full-time RNs, per diem RNs, nurses that work nights, doctors, and everybody else, okay? That's, that's everybody. So when you start your birthing and your breastfeeding experience at a baby-friendly hospital, you can be reassured that every staff person has the knowledge and the skills to support you as you get off to a good start with breastfeeding. You don't need to work wait for this nurse or that nurse to come on duty to help you. Everyone can and everyone will help you. In a hospital that has achieved the baby-friendly award, every nurse has had at least 20 hours of training in breastfeeding management. That has two important implications for you and your baby. 
First, the nurse who is helping you actually has the knowledge and the skills to help you. And second, she will be telling you the same thing that the next nurse will tell you. And another nurse will tell you the same thing. This is so, so important that in a baby-friendly hospital, you will be consistently given the same and the right information. Here's step three. Inform all pregnant women about the benefits and the management of breastfeeding. This step is important because mothers need to sort of get a jump on their learning. Honestly, once the baby is born, the mother often feels overwhelmed. Learning even some simple things during the pregnancy will help you, the mother, to decrease that learning curve that occurs after birth. Now, if you look carefully at that step, it reads, inform all pregnant mothers about the benefits and the management of breastfeeding. Now, personally, I'm not big on teaching parents the benefits, the quote, benefits of breastfeeding, because then it seems like breastfeeding uh, is compared to something else. Rather, I'm big on teaching parents the risks of formula feeding. Breastfeeding is the ideal. So in my mind, talking about the benefits of the ideal food food always sounds a little goofy to me. Um, I always remind parents that human milk is meant for, guess who? Human babies. Human milk for human babies. It just makes sense. So why does the hospital need to assume the responsibility to teach parents about the management of breastfeeding? Well, Partly because the nurses and doctors at the hospital are going to be on the front lines of, quote, managing breastfeeding. I use that term loosely, so-called managing. The most important part of managing breastfeeding is allowing the baby to manage the breastfeeding. Okay? But often, it's hard for healthcare personnel to let a baby who is only minutes or hours old to run the show as it, where, where feeding is concerned. But that's critical. It is absolutely critical for the baby to be in charge. So when hospitals teach about managing breastfeeding, ideally, they're teaching that it's the baby not the hospital, not the doctor, not the nurses, and really not even the mother, but the baby who determines all of the what, the when, where, how, and how often the feeding happens. Sure, like I said earlier, the mother is always free to overrule. She can refuse any of the practices that are laid out in those 10 steps. But it won't be to her advantage. And it certainly won't be to the baby's advantage. The hospital provides the opportunity and the environment, the optimal environment, the optimal opportunity. And so hopefully, the mother begins to fully understand how important it is that the hospital is, you know, really kind of a little bit in the hands-off neighborhood, okay? You've probably heard me say on this show before that the word obstetrics comes from the Latin word obstet, which means 
to stand by. It does not mean to get in the way. So that's all I have for now. Don't go away. When we come back, I will be talking about step four and the other steps. I'm Marie Biancuzo with Born to be Breastfed. I'll be right back after this short break. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. Do you enjoy listening to Marie Biancuzo? Do you think your staff would enjoy listening to Marie? As the past president of Baby Friendly USA, Marie currently offers baby-friendly training programs, online only, live only, or a combination of live and online education. If you are tired of listening to a boring lecture in a dark room, watching bullet point slides with a brief chance for questions at the end, come and enjoy a truly interactive learning online or live program with Marie. Call Marie today at 703-787-9894 to find an option that works for your staff. Have you had a chance to check out Voice America's online magazine and blog, Press Pass? If you love our hosts and shows, check out articles that give an even deeper perspective. Plus, topics about health and fitness, movie reviews, philosophy, business tips and tactics, spirituality, positive thought, current events, and even more about your favorite host. It's just a click away at VAPressPass.com. That's VAPressPass.com. VA Press Pass by Voice America. All access, all the time. Breastfeeding Outlook, owned and operated by Marie Biancuzo, is America's premier provider of breastfeeding education. If you're a nurse, lactation consultant, dietitian, midwife, physician, doula, or other professional, Breastfeeding Outlook is your source for SERPs, nursing contact hours, and CEUs to meet your certification or licensure requirements in all 50 states. Join Marie at a seminar in one of many U.S. cities or learn online. Marie has helped thousands to pass the IBLCE exam on the first try, and she can help you too. Call to find out how to get an easy payment plan for Marie's IBLCE exam prep course. And if your hospital is seeking the baby-friendly hospital designation, we can help you with that too through expert training and value-based consultation. We have a variety of packages to meet your needs without breaking your budget. Sign up for a live or online course or inquire about training today. Please visit breastfeedingoutlook.com or call us at 703-787-9894. Evidence for your practice starts here. Visit breastfeedingoutlook.com or call us at 703-787-9894. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. You're listening to Born to be Breastfed. To reach Marie Biancuzo or her guest on today's program, please call 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to radio at borntobebreastfed.com. Now, back to the show. Hi, everyone. I'm Marie Biancuzo. Thank you so much for joining Born to be Breastfed. Today, we're talking about baby-friendly hospitals and what it means for you and your baby. I think I might 
possibly have time for call-ins today. And if so, I will repeat that call-in number for you. It's 1-866-472-5792. Just before the break, I was talking about the first three steps for the um, successful breastfeeding as outlined by the Baby Friendly Hospital Initiative. Step one is having a breastfeeding policy that is routinely communicated to all healthcare staff, and I talked about why that was important. Step two is train all staff in the uh, skills necessary to implement that policy. And I talked about how that is so great because you know that every single person on that staff is able and willing to help you. And step three is that the hospital informs you prenatally about the benefits and management of breastfeeding. And that, of course, then brings me up to step four. Step four is to help mothers initiate breastfeeding within one hour of birth. And later, the World Health Organization specified that what that really means is to place babies in skin-to-skin contact with their mothers immediately following birth for at least an hour and encourage mothers to recognize when their babies are ready to breastfeed, offering help if needed. Now, this step is hugely, hugely important. While I would be the first to say that all of these 10 steps need to work together, the old idea that the sum is greater than the, uh, the total is greater than the sum of its parts or however that saying goes, that, that, that's true. But this idea of getting the baby to breast immediately and keeping him skin to skin with his mother for at least an hour, this triggers so many hormonal responses that are enormously important. Now, let me tell you why I usually have trouble convincing parents that this is so important, because it just kind of feels to them like they're doing nothing. Well, you know, the baby's just on their chest, and it's like, okay, nothing is really, oh, well, and here's the thing that makes me craziest, is when the mother says, how much does the baby weigh? I don't want to weigh that baby, and then I feel obligated to go and weigh the baby because she's just asked. But I don't want to separate that baby from her mother because this business about being skin to skin triggers the hormonal responses. So that baby that's hanging out on the skin here is there is something that's going on. It's just you can't see it, okay? But according to Dr. Shirsten Yuvnis Moberg in her classic 1989 article, She says there is an outpouring of 19 gastric hormones at birth. Yes, you've probably heard about the hormones that originate in the head, things like oxytocin and prolactin, and those hormones are important. But then there are also the hormones that originate in the gut. And these gut or gastric hormones are very powerful. They exert profound effects on First of all, the process of digestion, you might guess that one. And secondly, metabolism of the nutrients that the baby has taken in. Okay, seems to make sense. But here's the one that most people don't know about. It also stimulates emotions and behavior. Now, I could talk a whole lot about these hormones, but I don't have the time today. The three that are the trio that are especially important are gastrin, cholecystokinin, and secretin. 
And you've probably all, those are the gastric hormones, okay? You've probably already heard about oxytocin and how important it is for your letdown. But actually, oxytocin mediates that vagus nerve, the cranial nerve number 10, uh, to have that outpouring of those 19 different gastrointestinal hormones, including the gastrin, the cholecystokinin, and so forth. And, and what's important here is that you understand that when that baby is skin to skin, yes, it, it, it stimulates the oxytocin, but then the oxytocin in turn will stimulate those gastric hormones. When there are really two things that the baby has going on here, the baby is either separated from the mother skin to skin, or he's together with the mother skin to skin. When he is separated from the mother, his breathing rate increases, his heart rate increases, his temperature decreases, stress hormones increase, and his crying also increases. But look what happens when the baby is skin to skin with the mother. His breathing rate decreases and and stabilizes. That's what we want. We want that calm. His heart rate decreases, not, not in a bad way, okay, but in a way that is a stabilization. His temperature increases. He actually becomes warmer when he's skin to skin. And by the way, what I do is I kind of wrap up the back of the baby's back kind of, and then put that warm blanket right around both the baby and the mother. It's kind of hard to describe over the radio. The stress hormones decrease, and so crying for the baby decreases. This is a wonderful, wonderful thing, okay? This is how it's supposed to be. And what oh, they've shown a whole ton of stuff on this. But one of the things that I think is important for you to learn, at least for today, is that breastfeeding always goes better for the rest of the breastfeeding experience. And I'm not talking about just the first few minutes or even the first few days. But actually, the whole entire breastfeeding experience goes better when the mother has this first hour skin to skin with her baby. And I could break that down on the show another day. But for right now, just believe me, it's not like the baby is just hanging out doing nothing when he's skin to skin with you. Something really is happening for both the mother and the baby. And the effects are long term. So let me take you to step five. Step five says that the hospital needs to Show mothers how to breastfeed and how to maintain lactation, even if they should become separated from their infants. Why is this step important? Well, it's important because some mothers have probably not even seen somebody else breastfeed, much less have they done it themselves. And so, the idea here is for the hospital to show the mothers some main points that can help breastfeeding to go well. For example, one of the things would be 
to help the mother to know when the baby is latched on well and to show her four or five things that indicate that the baby is latched on well. If you've joined my previous shows, you've heard me talk, for instance, about listening for swallowing. That's a really important thing that I would be teaching you if I were your nurse. Uh, Another might be looking for those cues. Now, last week, I did a whole show on just how to recognize the baby's cues of hunger and cues of satiety. So the staff will teach you the main points about positioning the baby, latching the baby, and a staff in a baby-friendly hospital is going to teach you something to the effect of what I always tell mothers is that mouth on breast does not equal breastfeeding. Audible swallowing is equal to breastfeeding. I picked that line up from my wonderful friend, Debbie Bocar in Oklahoma City. Debbie, who is RN, PhD, knows everything and is a wonderful friend. Let me move on to step six. I know I'm not going to get through it all before we have to go to break, but I'm going to at least start step, step six. Step six says, give newborn breastfed infants no food or drink other than breast milk unless medically indicated. Now, why is this important? The crux of the issue lies in the obvious. Because human milk is for human babies. Everything about human milk is natural, and it's specially designed for the baby's age. Yes, that's right. The milk changes its composition as the baby gets older. Milk really has, human milk has two important functions. It provides nutrition for growth and development, and it also gives specific protection against invaders. So that's two things, the nutrition and the immunological protection. Let's talk about the nutrition part first. All right. Human milk contains everything that the baby needs to grow and develop as a human. Yes as a human. Think about this. We wouldn't give pig milk to dogs or whale milk to horses or goat milk to reindeer. Why then would we give cow's milk or a cow's milk-based formula to humans? Cow's milk is designed for 120-pound calves, for crying out loud. And the calves need to be able to have strong legs to stand up shortly after they're born. And they need to, to, to grow up to be what they are. But human milk is designed for human babies who need to grow up to be smart. Yeah, that's right. Human milk is designed to grow a baby's brain. If you look at how different milk is from one species to another, you will see just how silly it is to think that the milk of one species could possibly provide the nutrition to give optimal growth and development to the offspring. It just doesn't make sense. But mother's milk gives more than just nutrition. And when we come back from break, I'll talk to you about that. I'm Marie Biancuto with Born to be Breastfed. We've been talking about the 10 steps to successful breastfeeding. Don't go away when we come back. I'll finish up with uh, step six, and then I'll move on to step seven through 10. Don't go away. We'll be right back after this short break.
your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. Breastfeeding Outlook, owned and operated by Marie Biancuso, is America's premier provider of breastfeeding education. If you're a nurse, lactation consultant, dietitian, midwife, physician, doula, or other professional, Breastfeeding Outlook is your source for SERPs, nursing contact hours, and CEUs to meet your certification or licensure requirements in all 50 states. Join Marie at a seminar in one of many U.S. cities or learn online. Marie has helped thousands to pass the IBLCE exam on the first try, and she can help you too. Call to find out how to get an easy payment plan for Marie's IBLCE exam prep course. And if your hospital is seeking the baby-friendly hospital designation, we can help you with that too through expert training and value-based consultation. We have a variety of packages to meet your needs without breaking your budget. Sign up for a live or online course or inquire about training today. Please visit breastfeedingoutlook.com or call us at 703-787-9894. Evidence for your practice starts here. Visit breastfeedingoutlook.com or call us at 703-787-9894. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to facebook.com forward slash voice America or search for the keywords voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings of the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our wall. Just go to facebook.com forward slash voice America or search for voice America. Do you enjoy listening to Marie Biancuzo? Do you think your staff would enjoy listening to Marie? As the past president of Baby Friendly USA, Marie currently offers baby-friendly training programs, online only, live only, or a combination of live and online education. If you are tired of listening to a boring lecture in a dark room, watching bullet point slides with a brief chance for questions at the end, come and enjoy a truly interactive learning online or live program with Marie. Call Marie today at 703-787-9894 to find an option that works for your staff. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. You're listening to Born to be Breastfed. To reach Marie Biancuso or her guest on today's program, please call 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to radio at borntobebreastfed.com. Now, back to the show. Hi, everyone. I'm Marie Biancuso. I'm born. I, I'm no, no, no. I'm <laughs> I'm the host for Born to Be Breastfed, and I've been talking with you about how important it is that if you possibly can to find yourself a hospital that has the baby friendly hospital uh, designation. I've talked about the first six steps. I actually kind of dropped off on uh, step six, I gave you the first part of step six. It, it The step is give newborn breastfed infants no food or drink other than breast milk unless medically indicated. And I started out by talking about the idea that exclusive breastfeeding is important because of the nutrition. But then I said, it's not just nutrition. It is also about the uh, protection that human milk offers. So let me pick it up there, and I can find that I'm going to be talking like really, really fast to get through the rest of this before the end of this segment. So 
human milk is more than just nutrition. It's more than just the nutrients to help the baby grow and develop. The mother's milk gives babies specific protection against invaders, germs, okay? But maybe you're thinking that formula-fed babies can protect themselves against invaders too. Is that right? Well, yes, but one word here is so important. It is that they have a very limited and generalized ability to protect themselves. Breastfed babies can protect themselves in a sort of general way, but breastfed babies also get a very specific kind of immunity that comes from their mothers, okay? So it's their mother's immunity that provides this very specific protection. The mother's milk contains immunoglobulins. Immunoglobulins, are, it, they're just like, a. there are five of them. They're kind of fancy. They're, you probably know them as antibodies, okay? And these special antibodies in the milk coat the baby's GI tract, somewhat like a coat of paint, if you will, that would be on the GI tract. And this coat of immunoglobulins protects the babies from invaders. Other fluids, like water or formula, can wash away this special protection. And other fluids or foods can actually introduce infections to the baby. So, in a nutshell, that's the important thing about how the mother's milk protects the baby and how the other stuff diminishes that coat of protection or perhaps even introduces new invaders. On the thing about medically indicated, I just want to let you know that there are very, very few medically indicated reasons for giving formula. The American Academy of Pediatrics, the American Academy, uh, the Academy of Breastfeeding Medicine, the World Health Organization, the Centers for Disease Control, and many other experts and authorities agree that full-term healthy newborns rarely need any food other than their mother's milk. Hospitals have been that have been given the baby-friendly designation have proven that the hospital staff, the nurses, and the doctors understand that the mother's milk is the most important thing and that human milk is for human babies and they will do everything they can to avoid the formula. Why? Because formula is inferior to human milk. That takes us to step seven. And boy, am I going to have to talk really, really fast. Steps, well, actually, I'm going to combine step seven and step eight. Step seven is practice rooming in allow mothers and infants to remain together 24 hours a day. And step eight is encourage unrestricted breastfeeding. Step seven and step eight sort of go together, so I'll explain them together. Let me start with step seven, which says to allow mothers and infants to remain together 24 hours a day. Let me emphasize that that word is allow. The directive from Baby Friendly is allow. It's important for me to remind you that as the mother, you're free to turn down the opportunity for rooming in or the opportunity to nurse your baby on cue. And sometimes that's called unrestricted breastfeeding or sometimes they call it on-demand breastfeeding, same thing. But why would you turn down that opportunity? Maybe just because you don't understand that there are a number of advantages to rooming in with your baby. 
Let's start with one that seems to be important for everybody. Less crying. All mammals have what Christensen and his colleagues refer to as a separation distress call. This is a specific kind of crying, and it happens in human babies as well as other mammals. This particular cry occurs when the newborn is lost. In the, in the case of our furry friends, that would be when they're lost in the woods. But in the case of our own babies, we hear that when they are parked in a nursery. When babies aren't near their mothers, that's what happens. And when babies are near their mothers, they simply don't emit that separation distress call. They sense when they are near their mothers. And their sense of smell helps them to know that they are near their mothers. Now, what is the one thing that any mother wants to do? Any father, any nurse, okay? We all want to keep that baby from crying. And rooming in is a wonderful way to minimize the amount of the baby's crying. Earlier establishment of day-night rhythms. Let's think about this one. Have you heard of how some babies always have their days and nights mixed up? Well, when babies start out being near mothers for 24 hours a day, they are quicker to figure out the daytime and the nighttime thing, and they begin to move towards longer sleep periods at night and shorter sleep periods during the day. That's not to say that babies are going to sleep through the night, not, not in the typical 8 to 10 hour thing that an adult would do. No, 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 no. It's just to say that babies will sleep through, that they'll have their longest sleep interval during the night rather than during the day. They'll kind of get the hang of that earlier. Also, nursing occurs more frequently. Why do rooming in couplets nurse more frequently? Well, because the baby doesn't need to re rely on the nurse to get him out there. I mean, I can tell you that when I'm the nurse, I'm, I, I'm pretty fast, but I can't get them all out there at the same time. And second, because when the mother is nearby, she can easily start to become in tune with those cues. Mothers learn to re uh, read and respond to those cues, and babies do better when they are rooming in, partly because they don't use up their energy. For crying. Remember, crying is the last sign of hunger. And here's what you're, and there's a bunch of other reasons too, but those are probably the most important. Here's what you're wondering though. You're, well, you're thinking that's, that's not a very good idea because mothers get tired when they room in with their babies or they're going to miss out on sleep. Actually, no, that's probably not a good reason to think at all because we don't really have any science that shows that to be true. If you're worried that you're not going to have enough sleep during the night, there's a couple of things you can do. You can get another caregiver to come in and to help you to uh, do the nighttime thing. But you can also take a nap during the day, which I would strongly encourage. I am like crazy, crazy watching my time. Oh, no, I think I'm okay for a little bit here. So I'm going to go to step nine, which is giving no pacifiers and no artificial teats. Uh, what we would call nipples, okay? Why is that important? Well, because step nine that says give no artificial teats or pacifiers, this interferes with the baby learning to breastfeed. What I find is that parents often give pacifiers because they don't know how else to console their baby. And 
it's helpful really if you can get a grip on what that is and to understand that there are a number of reasons why babies cry. Maybe they're too hot or too cold or too overstimulated or too understimulated or or they hurt or their diaper needs changing or any other number of things. But pacifiers generally just end up being uh, something that gets done because the parent or the nurse or whoever doesn't really know what else to do. And so I think that we all, we all need to have a better education of reading what's really going on with babies. So I'm not going to tell you that pacifiers are the worst thing in the world, but I'm going to say, really look and see, is the baby taking that pacifier because in reality what he really wants is he really wants to be able to breastfeed. And finally, step 10 is to foster the establishment of breastfeeding support groups and refer mothers to them on discharge from the hospital or the birthing center. That's what the hospital should be doing. I will tell you that I personally do not ever like to uh, discharge a woman from the hospital until she can name me at least three sources of support that she will be able to find when she goes home. And by the way, I'm not one of them. She needs three separate sources. I have no idea where on earth these hours go. This was a really, really fast uh, show. I didn't get to everything, but I would like to welcome you back uh, next week. I'm Marie Biancuzo. I'll still be Marie Biancuzo actually next week. How do you like that? <laughs> and uh, I will be happy to talk with you then. Today we've talked about Baby Friendly. Please feel free to contact me at radio at borntobebreastfed.com. I will be happy to answer your questions, whether you're a parent or a provider about Baby Friendly. I hope that this has been useful. Don't go away. Remember, I'm your source of evidence-based practice. Uh, today and every day, I will help you to cut through the myths, clarify the facts about breastfeeding next month, next week, <laughs> uh, next Monday, same time, same channel. In the meanwhile, remember, your baby was born to be breastfed. Have a great week. Thank you for tuning in this week to Born to be Breastfed. Please join Marie Biancuso next Monday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. This week, do its best for you and your baby.